Well, hello again. Good to see everybody. And uh, I definitely want to wish every uh, one of the men in the house, the fathers specifically, a happy Father's Day. Uh, we are excited to worship with you on Father's Day weekend. Sometimes churches will um, kind of beat up on the men on Father's Day, you know, talk about all the areas that we're falling short and how we need to do better. We're not going to do that today. In fact, what I would say is if you're a dad and you're here today, either at this campus or any of our campuses or online, uh, it's Father's Day. You can do whatever you want to do today, right? You call the shots. You can sit at home. You can watch the U.S. Open, which, by the way, we're going to get you out of here in time to catch the U.S. Open, all the parts that matter. Um, but you've chosen to be at church. You're leading your family. You're taking a stand. You're saying, hey, I'm going to have my priorities right. So I say we give it up for all the dads that are here on Father's Day leading your families. And, and so instead of beating you up, we want to encourage you. In fact, we're doing a cool giveaway. You know, men, men can kind of seem like they're just big and strong, you know, specifically me. I know y'all are already thinking, I'm just kidding, that, that came out wrong. But here's the reality. We need encouragement. Uh, we, we need to know when we're doing well. And so we want to kind of create a wave of encouragement uh, of the men at Seacoast. And so if you have a dad, a uh, father figure in your life, maybe you're married to uh, a great dad, maybe you're talking about your own father, we want you to post on Instagram about them. And uh, some of you are like, what's Instagram? Just Google it and I give you permission now to go ahead and download it while, while you're here. Get, get on Instagram and, and post a picture of your father or that father figure. Say some nice words about him. Uh, don't use that as a chance to share the things that you wish he did better. Do that later, but share some nice things about him. And then if you'll hashtag it with Seacoast Dads, hashtag Seacoast Dads, we're going to give away two of these big green eggs. You guys know what I'm talking about? I think I got a picture of them. You see the big green eggs? Uh, we're we're going to give away two of these big green eggs on Monday at noon out of those that use the hashtag Seacoast Dads on Instagram or Twitter. And so you hadn't got dad something, or maybe his reaction was less than what you thought it would be, you still have a chance to get him something really, really cool by doing that for him. So we want to see you guys do that. Excited about Father's Day this week. And I know that being a dad can be difficult at times. You know, sometimes we get in situations where we're not sure how to respond and, 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 and we don't always get it right. I had an opportunity, a father opportunity, a couple of weeks ago. I was hanging out in the foyer at the Mount Pleasant campus here and talking with some people. And one of our staff members, a good friend of mine, Sean McCarthy, grabbed me and, and kind of stepped into the conversation and said, when you get a minute, I need to talk to you. And that's not really normal for him. And so I knew something had to have happened. So I went and said, hey, what's going on? He said, well, I just wanted to let you know about an incident that happened with some of the Surratt kids. And I said, you know, they're not all mine. I only have a couple of them. He said, no, one of yours was, was involved too. And, and so Apparently, he was helping get them from their classroom to another place where, where they were going to be for the, the next service, and they were sliding down the rail of the stairways, which, you know, not, not, the, best, not the best thing. And so, Sean was being a good friend and, and a good leader, and he stepped in and he said, hey, you guys, are, you guys are examples to other kids, your leaders. We're trying to help some of the younger kids not to slide down that rail because it can be, it can, they can get hurt doing it. Would you guys help me out by not doing that for me? And apparently, um, some of the children, uh, mine being one of them, clearly under the influence of the other ones, but um, <clears throat> looked, looked at him, sized up the situation and said, you know, um, I don't have to listen to you. Do you know who my dad is? <laughs> yeah, 
seriously. He said, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've raised them better than this. Like, maybe I have uttered those words in my life. I can't confirm or deny that, but, 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 ah, the horror. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And so, we, we, we did some work to try to make sure that never happens again. And, um, I'll leave that alone for right now. But, but as the next couple of days of processing that and, and having some conversations passed, uh, I couldn't get that question out of my head. Do you know who my dad is? It's actually a pretty good question, used in the wrong context, clearly, but it's a pretty good question. Maybe a better one would be, do I know who my dad is? I, I've titled the message this weekend here on Father's Day weekend, Do You Know who my dad is. See, we're in a series right now called Summer of Love, and, and we're studying the book of 1 John, kind of looking at a few different passages in the book of 1 John, and, and we're, we're trying to get a better understanding of what it means to really love each other and to be loved by God. Last weekend, Greg Surratt, our founding pastor, who happens to be my father, and I honor him on this Father's Day, uh, just an incredible and tremendous dad to me, um, he gave a great message about who God is, the fact that God is love. And if you've ever wondered if God is distracted or disappointed or angry with you, you need to go back and listen to that message because it was such a foundational word. And it's really the basis from which the rest of the series will come. Because my dad, my spiritual dad, is love, I believe there's some things that, that, that will, will flow out of that and how we live our lives. And today, what I want to do is I want to focus on the area of confidence. I believe that because I know who my dad is, I can have confidence. I should have confidence in specifically three areas of my life. Now, I shouldn't have arrogance, which is maybe where it went uh, with, with the children that we had talked about earlier, but, but I should be confident in some things. So let's look at it together. Three things that I think we should be more and more confident in, the more that we understand who our father is. The first thing is this, because I know who my dad is, I can be confident in who I am. I can be confident in who I am because I know who my dad is. Look at this first verse. It's 1 John 5, and that's where we're going to be. If you have your Bibles, you can maybe open up there. 1 John 5 verse 1 says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Well, Josh, isn't everybody a child of God? No, actually, everybody's not a child of God. God certainly created everybody. God loves everybody. God desires that, that all, all of the children on the earth would become His children. But this passage makes it pretty clear. You can even underline that phrase, who believes that Jesus is the Christ. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. What does that mean? What does that mean? The word Christ there, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, actually is interchanged with another word that may be familiar with some of you that have been in church. It's Messiah. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah has become a child of God. Messiah definition is the promised deliverer of the Jewish nation who's prophesied about in the Hebrew Bible. You know, all throughout the Old Testament, the Bible speaks to this, this problem of sin, right? You have a perfect God who created man. Man fell short, sinned. We all fall short. If you're a sinner today, you're in good company. 
The, the Old Testament Bible talks a lot about the, the coming Messiah who would redeem the sins of mankind. And, and you may have read some confusing books in the Bible that talk about this sacrificial system. You know, that if, if they were going to be pure before God, there would have to be a sacrifice that would be made. They'd bring uh, certain animals for different sacrifices, and, and they'd be made so that the people of God could approach God because otherwise they can't because of their sin. And there are promises all throughout the Old Testament from David and even prior to that, Abraham, uh, throughout Psalms, throughout the, the prophets that speak of a coming Messiah who is going to redeem the sins of all mankind. And it was the deepest longing of, of the Jewish people's heart and still is those that don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And what this passage is saying is that if you want to be adopted into God's family, you have to believe and know that Jesus is that Messiah. That Jesus, the Son of God, came, was sacrificed for our sins on the cross, he was raised from the dead, and he's wiped away every sin that I've ever committed in the past, the ones that you committed on your way to church this morning, and the ones that you're going to commit in the future. Like all of them, he's wiped them away. That when God looks at you, he sees beloved son or daughter of him, not your failures, not where you've fallen short, but because of what Jesus did, that's who he sees. You're adopted into his family. And by the way, got access to, to all the things that an adopted son of God would have access to. Forgiveness, freedom, a future, all these things. This verse makes it simple for us. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Do you? To the depths of your core, all of us know that we need a redeemer, that we've fallen short. Do you believe that Jesus has, has done that for you? If so, you can be confident. You can, you can walk around not wondering, oh, I wonder where I stand with God. No, you can be confident that you're an adopted child of God. Because of who our, our dad is, because I know who my dad is, I can be confident in who I am. A second thing I can be confident in is I can be confident in where he is taking me. Because I know who my dad is, that God is love, I can be confident in where he is taking me. 1 John 5, verses 2 through 3 says, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey His commandments. Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. You know, all my life when I read that passage, it kind of reads like it's a litmus test. Like, if I love God, I'm going to prove it to Him by keeping His commandments. But as you study this passage, that's not, that's not what it means. What it's saying is, as you grow in your love for God, and as you grow in your understanding of His love for you, that it's going to be a natural inclination of your heart to be more obedient to him because you're going, to, you're going to trust, you're going to have confidence in the fact that he's taking you to good places, that any, any rule that he has, any law that he's put into place, any guideline, commandment that he has, it's not burdensome, it's not to hold you back, it's to give you your future, it's, just, it's to position you in a place where he can bless you. And so we, we understand that better and we're like, man, it's not a, it's not a burden to follow God. I can trust where he's taking me. Have any of you guys been swimming in the pool yet this summer? Any of you, any of you done it yet? Okay, some of you guys have been there. I know in my home, my kids start harassing me in about February to start going to the pool. I mean, it's like, come on, guys, it's cold. I'm not, you know. And, and so finally, we cave around April or so, and, and we go to the pool, and I have no interest in getting in that water. It's, it's cold, um, and, and I'm going there specifically so they can play and, and stay out of my hair, and I can read a book and work on my amazing tan. That's what I'm going to the pool for. <laughs> these days. 
And so they go play and stuff. And about six or seven times into going to the pool, it's probably May now, um, I'm starting to feel like, man, I should probably step up as a dad and actually get in the water and play with my kids. And so I decide I'm going to do it. I'm going to get in the water. It's time. Uh, I'm going for it. And so, and I know better than this, but I walk up to the edge of the pool and what do I do? I, I stick my toes in the water. Ooh, that's chilly, cold. All right, that's all right. I'm still going to do it. I'm going to get in the water. So I go over to the area of our pool where there's some steps. Oftentimes that's where the babies play. So there's a little warmer water, uh, if you know what I mean. And so I go into the first step of the pool and it's like, ah, that's cold, you know? So you stand in that step for a while, you get used to it. Then you step down into the second step and now the water is kind of up around knee level and the octaves go up a little higher, like "Ah, it's cold, I'm gonna do this. And I'm standing here and I look out into the, the pool and my kids are looking at me with such disappointment. Like, who is this man? This white, hairy, slightly overweight, like, dad, dad, don't just get in the pool, man. I swear, like the, the 15-year-old version of myself would have punched me right then and there. Like, what, what are you doing? I know better than this. And so I got, I came to my senses and, and I got out of the steps and I walked back over to the side and I did what any self-respecting man who's going to get in the pool is. I took a couple steps. I jumped real high up into the air perfect form, grabbed my knees and cannonballed and just sprayed all the kids. I'm like, I'm getting in the pool. If you're going to get in the pool, just get in the pool. What does this have anything to do with obeying God? I'm glad that you asked. See, I believe that if we're going to follow God, if we're going to be an adopted child of God and go all in with him, and we approach him like I was approaching getting in the pool, we're just kind of sticking our water in, our toes in the water, wading into the first step, it's always going to feel awkward. It's going to feel burdensome to follow him. If, if you're only giving him a part of your life, if you're not going all in, that's, that's no way to approach the, the father that I know as our spiritual loving father. He wants us to be fully immersed in his love, that we would be children who would go, when he says to do something, I'm going all in. I'm, I'm jumping in to the pool. I can say that with confidence because there's a great story in the New Testament that that talks about this. It gives us a picture of one of God's disciples going all in, jumping in with him. And it's a guy named Peter, and Peter was not perfect, which is why I like him. There's a lot of flaws that we see. But but we see a picture in this one story of, of, I believe, what God wants our heart to be towards him. I'll give you a little bit of context. It was, uh, they had had a long day of ministry, and Jesus said, hey, I want y'all to get in the boat go across the Sea of Galilee, and I'll meet you there later. And these are grown men. These, many of them are professional fishermen, so that's no big deal. They get onto the boat. They go about halfway across the Sea of Galilee when all of a sudden a massive storm sweeps in. And, and I, I would try to explain what the storm is like, but those of you that live in the Charleston area, you experienced this on Friday of this week. It was like a beautiful day. Our family was planning a, a, a Father's Day pool party. And then all of a sudden it was like, bang, the clouds showed up and the wind picks up and lightning starts striking. And it was just like, we found ourselves in the middle of a storm. In fact, I took a picture of my backyard. This was my backyard. That's our trampoline uh, flipped over in the middle of this storm. Now I will say, look at the stepping stool though. That is impressive. (laughs) I want to say it was Ikea. I want to say it was Ikea and I want to give credit where credit's due because that thing didn't move, but the trampoline went flying. But but point, point being, like it, like, it was a bad storm. And so these disciples are now in the boat in the middle of a lake, and a storm like this sweeps in, and they're freaking out. 
They're professional fishermen, but the Bible says they are scared to death. Waves are crashing over. They're wondering, are they going to make it through it? Lightning is striking all around. The wind is up. It's a bad storm. And all of a sudden, they look out you know, in this storm, and they see this shadowy figure walking on the water. They're like, is that, a, is that, a, is that Patrick Swayze? Is that, I don't know what, what's going on. Is it a ghost? And now all of a sudden, um, one of the disciples says, I think that might be Jesus walking on water, coming towards us. And here's what Peter says in Matthew 14. Peter called to him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Now, that's a strange request, but what it shows you is a sense of confidence that Peter has in his God and in his Jesus. And so, Jesus says, yes, come. So, Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. He didn't dip his toes in the water he didn't step in and hang onto the side to like check his buoyancy, buoyancy, however you say that. He just got in the water. He got out of the boat and he walked on water. And when you're that confident in where your God is taking you and the fact that he loves you, you'll do even what seems impossible. And we all know that with Peter in a few moments, he would start to focus more on the waves and the wind than he was on Jesus and he would start to sink and Jesus would kind of grab him and, and there's lessons to be learned there. But the point is, he got out of the boat. He got out of the boat. If you knew who your dad was, you'd have confidence in where he's taken you. Are you willing to get out of the boat? You can have confidence in where he's taking you financially. Maybe that's a place in your life that he's calling you to a deeper place of trust with him. He's called you to be generous, maybe beyond what you think is reasonable, or he's called you to give uh, here in the church or give in another uh, area of, of, of life, and, and you've gone, I, I love you, and, and I know I trust you with most of me, but man, that's just a, that's a sensitive area for me. I, I've gone through job loss. I've gone through a time of not having enough. I don't know if I can trust you in this area of my life. See, when that's our mentality, we've forgotten who our God is that our God happens to own a piece of real estate called planet earth and everything in it. And he also is a God of love and, and, and that we can trust him. When he's called us to, to give, it's because he's wanting to cultivate a heart of generosity. And he says, test me in this. It's the only area of the Bible that he says, test me is when he's talking about our finances. Maybe it's a relationship for you. You're like, man, I trust God with a lot of things, but man, my relationships, I don't know. Could be that you're in a dating relationship and it's, it's obvious to you and to those that love you that this relationship isn't gonna, gonna point you where, where God wants you to go spiritually. It's not gonna be good for you spiritually. And he's calling you not to be rude, not to be a jerk, but to lovingly put an end to the relationship. And you're going, I don't know if I can trust you with this. I don't wanna be alone. If you knew who your dad was, you'd go, I'm willing to go wherever you're taking me. I can trust you. Maybe you're in a marriage that's in one of the for worse parts. You know, you, you, you signed up for better or for worse and you're in a for worse. And you're going, I, I don't know. It seems like it might be easier just to start over. But God's saying, hey, right now I want you to just, I want you to trust where I'm taking you. There may be some hard days in front of you, but if you'll stick this out, if you'll get some counseling, if you'll work on it, I've got a, a place that you can't even imagine in this marriage in the days ahead. Where's God calling you to get out of the boat? Calling you to go all in with him. It may be in the area of giving your life to Jesus, surrendering your life, saying, I'm gonna choose 
to be confident in who I am. Can I tell you, you can trust God. You can be confident in where He's taken you. There may be even some men that are here today, and God's calling you to get out of the boat, to go all in with Him. What greater gift you could give to your family? I know I'm one who's on the receiving end of that, of growing up in a home with a father who pursued him, made plenty of mistakes, but pursued him. What a gift you could give to your family by going, you know what, today I'm going to get out of the boat and say, yes, I'm going to trust and trust my life to Jesus. If that's you, I'd encourage you to, we're going to give you a chance during response time at all of our campuses. And by the way, all of our campuses next weekend are doing a water baptism. And so if, if you haven't done that, maybe that's an area God's saying, get out of the boat, get baptized, stop kind of flirting with me in this way. Go all in. Identify yourself as a part of my family. Next weekend at every campus, we're going to have opportunities to do that. So I can be confident in, in, in where God's taken me, even in the corrective moments. By the way, let's go back to the, the story with my child. Um, I have permission to tell this story by my child, provided that I don't name that child's name. And so um, do you know who my dad is? I realized right at that moment, this is a teaching opportunity. This is a teaching opportunity. So I went along with some of the other children's uh, parents, and, and I, I, we pulled them out of their class, and we said, hey, uh, tell us what happened here. And they said, well, you know, we were just joking. It was totally a joke. You know, I'm like, well, that was a bad joke. Um, and, and so I said, let me tell you what it means to be a Surratt. Let me tell you what it means to be a leader. Being a Surratt means that I know where the toilet cleaning supplies are. And so we're going to spend the remainder of this service cleaning toilets all throughout this worship center, not because of a punishment, but because I, I want my children to grow up knowing that to lead is to serve. Jesus said that, that he came not to be served, but he came to serve, to give his life as a ransom for others. That's what we're growing into. That's what we want to become as followers of Christ. And so we spent time together, not just him, but all of us cleaning toilets to go, you know what, we're going to serve other people. And by the way, that gentleman that you asked if he knew who your dad is, very successful gentleman that, that chose to give up his career to come join the staff of this church to serve and give his life to serve. We're not going to treat people that way. We're going to treat people with respect. And it was a great teaching opportunity. And even when God may be correcting you, some of us feel like God's giving you a brush to clean the toilets, even when he's correcting us, it's because he wants us to, to grow into the people that he's called us to be. It's because he knows where he's taken us, and it's a good, good place. Last thought, last thing that we can be confident in. When I know who my dad is, I can be confident when I face obstacles. I can be confident when I face obstacles. The, the passage finishes, uh, verses 4 and 5, it says, for every child of God defeats the evil this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. A couple of phrases that stand out to me. We're going to achieve victory. We're going to defeat this evil world. We're going to win this battle. How many of you want to be winners in life? Just by show of hands. Most of us, yeah, a couple of you guys will pray for you. But most of us, we want to be winners. We want to win. The reality is God has hardwired victory in us. It's in our DNA. As children of God, he has, he has wired us to overcome, to find victory through Jesus Christ. So what obstacle are you facing right now that you need some help with, that you need victory in? Is it fear? 
You, you, you battling fear? You, you can be victorious over that. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe your marriage, again, is in that place. Don't give up. Don't give in. Know that God has hardwired you to achieve victory through the power that comes surrendering our lives to Him. Some of us have experienced deep pain. In fact, for some of us, it's from the hands of a father who wasn't there for us when we needed him to be, who maybe was even abusive, said things, didn't give us an accurate picture of who our spiritual father in heaven is. Through Jesus, you don't have to live and be defined by that pain. You can overcome. I know there are people here and at the campuses that have dealt with great loss this year. And while we hurt, we, we, can, we, we don't have to be defined by that loss. We can have victory over it. Maybe you're here dealing with job loss. You know, I don't really understand this. I, I know God's wired me to be victorious. I know he's given me gifts and he's maybe even gifted me to make money one day. And just know that, that God's wired you to be victorious. And it could be that right now he's drilling deep down within your soul the understanding that he is your provider, that I'm not going to get cocky, but I'm going to be confident in who he is. But we can have victory. I don't have to convince anybody that the evil that we face in this world is, is very real and is very powerful. We've seen it yet again with the shootings that happened in Orlando this past week and just ripped our hearts out watching what went on there. And of course, this weekend, we commemorate the one-year anniversary of the shootings that happened here in Charleston at Mother Emanuel Church. And I'll be honest with you, if I've ever been tempted to wonder, does evil have the upper hand? It was in the days that followed that. Just such a horrible, horrible, horrible tragedy. And I don't know why God allowed me to be where I was, but I had the opportunity about 36 hours after the shooting last year to be standing in a courtroom as the family members of those who were killed had the chance to, to face off with evil, to look evil in the eye and to say what they needed to say. And I'll never forget as they brought this young man into the room via a video monitor and I'm, I'm getting nervous, my palms are sweaty, I'm going, what's gonna happen here? What's gonna happen in this moment? And I was blown away as one after another, these family members looked this young man in the eye, looked evil in the eye, said, what you've taken from me will never be replaced. You'll never know the hurt that you've caused me, but I forgive you. I forgive you. I watched my friend, Anthony Thompson, whose wife, Myra, was killed in that shooting, look at this guy and say, you know what? I'm never gonna have my best friend again, but son, if you'll bow your knees to Jesus Christ, your life can be better. You don't have to live in this anger. And I was blown away. You know what I saw? I saw good overcome evil in the form of forgiveness. Forgiveness, which is one of God's commandments. And be honest with you, it had to, had to be burdensome for these families to, to be able to forgive in such a short amount of time. But as I, I thought about that, I thought how much more burdensome it would be to live a life in bitterness and unforgiveness. See, because of who our dad is, because of what he's done for us, we can be victorious. Love can overcome evil. This last verse on your outline sheet really sums up what I'm saying here today. 
It's one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, especially when it speaks to us overcoming. I want to read it to you, and I want you to just think about your struggle, think about whatever obstacle you're facing in light of these words. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened even with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory. And I am convinced. Do you hear the confidence in Paul's voice, the conviction? I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you know who your dad is? Do you know the love that he has for you? That there's not anything, no power from hell, no, no darkness that can separate you from that love. My prayer for us as a church is that as we begin to understand who our dad is and the love that he has for us, that we would walk in confidence. We wouldn't be cocky, we wouldn't be rude, but we would be a confident people. We know who we are. It doesn't matter what other people say about me. I know that I'm a beloved daughter or, or son of God. And you know what? When he calls me to obedience, even in the hard places, I'm gonna obey because I'm confident in where he's taken me. And when I face struggles, we can be confident that we're gonna have victory, that we can fight it out. We can hang, we don't have to live in defeat. We can live in victory. That's my prayer for us as a church. Normally I would ask you to bow and, and, and pray and we're gonna do that. But, but what I wanna do today is I've asked my grandfather, uh, Hubert Surratt, who really is the patriarch of our family to come and to pray over our church, to pray over us on this Father's Day weekend. And um, you know, I've been blessed to see uh, examples of what it looks like to follow God. And, and so I want y'all to welcome my grandfather Hubert as he comes and prays for us as we close. I looked up the meaning of that word patriarch. It said an old dude. <laughs> Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, it is such a privilege to address you as our Heavenly Father. For what an earthly father might not be able to do, you can do in our lives. You have become father, mother, sister, and brother. And thank you for that love that supersedes everything evil in the world. Thank you, Lord, for uh, a family in, in which... We, we learned reverence from a godly father and, and we learned so many lessons about our heavenly father because of the example of our earthly father. I thank you, Lord, for those fathers that have been so wonderful and so powerful an influence in lives. But there are those who have sorrowful memories of a neglectful father, of an abusive father, of an absentee father. And you can become that father that we may never have known.
thank God that there is power in the grace of God and he can meet our lives, our needs and his love can give us a feeling that we could never have had through any other source. Thank you. Thank you for all of the gracious goodness of a loving father in your name. Amen.